You're listening to audio from Risen Life Fellowship. If you'd like to learn more about our church or donate to this ministry, please visit risenlifefellowship.com. It came up that, that I was teaching again this week. I taught last week. I'm teaching again this week. And Mariah, being such the encourager she is, said, really? <laughs> you again? So yes, I'm here this week because we decided we wanted to punish you guys for some reason. Um, hopefully you don't feel that way. Um, but last week we wrapped up our study in Ecclesiastes. And we said that uh, we'll be, our next day we're jumping into is going to be uh, through Galatians. Uh, we're, we'll be starting that next week. Um, but what we want to do this week is what we call uh, Vision Sunday. Uh, we do this a couple times every year because it's a, a way of, if you're new, we want to be able to share with you, you know, what, what are we about here at Risen Life? What are we setting out to accomplish? What, how are we trying to accomplish that? What are we doing here as a church? And then if you have been around for a while, if you've been with us, I know many of you and you are probably forgetful and have forgot what we're doing here, so this is a good chance to remind you guys. So that's what we are going after this morning, is to just, what are we here to do as, as risen life? So with all that being said, um, I want to start you guys off with, with a, just a question. A simple question, um, it's rhetorical, you guys don't have to worry about answering me, but the question is this, are you a cruise ship or are you a battleship? And you're probably falling into uh, a couple different categories right now as far as where, what you're thinking. Um, your thought might be, I really have no clue what this guy's talking about. Am I a cruise ship? Am I a battleship? What in the world? Well, be patient with me. I'm going to get there, I promise. Um, another group of you is probably sitting here saying, you know, I'd rather be on a cruise ship. I'm about that life. And then there's probably another group of you who are saying, we let this guy come back up a second week. Someone go get Paula. She needs to come get her man, get him off stage. Um, but before Forrest cuts my mic, let me just explain to you guys real quick what I mean. Uh, so whenever we, we have the idea of a cruise ship, um, many of you have probably been on a cruise before. If not, you have probably seen commercials, kind of know what the whole concept of a cruise is about. And the idea behind a cruise is that everyone on that boat, the whole crew, is there to serve you, the guest. If you are hungry, there is someone there who is going to cook you a meal. If your room is just messy as can be, there is someone who's going to clean up after you. If you're thirsty, someone's going to bring you a drink. If you're bored, someone's going to entertain you. Everyone's sole purpose there is to make sure that you, the guest, get what you want out of the cruise. That's the whole idea of a cruise, to be able to relax, to consume. Now, a battleship, on the other hand, is, has a completely different vibe, right? On a battleship, everyone has a very specific job. All those jobs are to work together for whatever the, the purpose of that ship is. See, on, 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 a, on a battleship, you have someone who's in charge, you have the captain, and their job is to make sure that whatever the mission for that ship is, is being carried out with all the actions of, of the crew. Then you have officers who, who report to that captain, who their job is to, to take whatever... The, the captain has set and said, this is where we're going, this is our mission. It's their job to help carry that out. And then if you kind of look on down the line at, at the crew, you've got uh, people whose job it is to, to maintain the boat, to make sure that the boat can function. You have people who stand ready to make sure that the weapons are ready to go if ever called upon. You have people who are sitting there whose job it is to cook meals for the crew. Everyone has a specific job. So the question becomes, whose job is the most important? 
Well, it's a simple question, or a simple answer. All of them. If the cook's not cooking their, the food, then the crew goes hungry, and the mission doesn't get accomplished. If the boat's not operational because maintenance, because engineers are not doing their job, then the mission cannot be accomplished. If the captain is not setting forth, this is the course we are going on, then the mission will not be accomplished. The church, likewise, in many ways, is similar to a battleship. Everybody has a specific role to play. Everyone has a job to do. And we'll, we'll look at this a little bit closer. Uh, so we'll be in 1 Corinthians 12 this morning. So if you want to turn there with me, once you get there, uh, go ahead and stand. And we'll read starting in verse 12. So starting in verse 12, it says, Just as the body is one and has many members, all the members of the body, though many, are one body. So it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, we are all made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? As it is, but as, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hands, I have no need for you, nor the head to the feet, I have no need for you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those, on those parts of the body that we think are less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which, mo which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today, Lord. Thank you for uh, this place where we get to come this morning to worship you and to dive into your word, Father. Father, I pray that this morning that uh, through your word, Lord, we just um, see how important um, each one of us is to the, the body of Christ here, Lord. Father, that um, whatever's said here this morning, Lord, that it's not about me, but Lord, solely to your glory. And Father, I pray that if there's someone who doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior here this morning, Lord, that they don't leave here this morning without surrendering their life to you. Father, we pray this in your name. Amen. So this text here in 1 Corinthians gives us three key points about, uh, about the church or, or the body um, working together. And the first one really gives us our why, and that comes from verse 14. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body. So our point here is that we are baptized in the same spirit. This idea of being baptized in the spirit or, or the baptism of the spirit, as it's, as it's worded some places in scripture, um, is really something that's kind of been uh, copped by some w within the church and, 
and really separated from really the true intent of the, of the New Testament uh, meaning. There's this idea that um, you are baptized once whenever you are uh, saved, uh, when you give your life to Christ, but then there's this second baptism maybe somewhere down the road in, in your walk with Christ where um, you know, maybe you're more mature and, and it, at that point you're baptized in the Spirit um, is, is kind of what, what is said. And, and the idea is that at some point whenever you're, you're this more mature Christian um, and you have this baptism of the Spirit, you, your life is now marked by maybe um, you can speak in tongues now or, or other different markers. Um, however, the issue with that is that this is not what Scripture is talking about whenever we see the baptism of the Spirit. In Acts 1, this is Jesus right before um, he ascends to heaven, he says, For John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Then in chapter 2, verse 4, it says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. See, this... this uh, scenario that we see here in Acts, this is the first time that the church uh, is indwelled by the, by the Holy Spirit. However, now the Holy Spirit indwells us at the moment that um, we surrender our lives to Christ. You know, baptism of the Spirit should be understood that at the time we give our life to Christ, at the point of salvation, we are are at that point made one. We're in union with Christ, and we're in union with uh, a body of believers. Therefore, the, the proof of that baptism of Spirit, the, the fruit of the Spirit, um, that should mark our lives is really what uh, Paul lays out for us in Galatians 5. When he says that you know the fruits of the Spirit are Love, joy, peace, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Some of you guys are probably working through some sort of Sunday school song as I kind of rattled those off. That, if we have given our life to Christ, that should be what marks our life. You know, this baptism of the Spirit is not some second baptism that occurs once we're finally this more mature Christian, um, but rather it's, it's being that indwelling of, of the Spirit at the time we give our lives to Christ. So since we are redeemed by one God, baptized by one Spirit, that's why we as the body of Christ should be working together. That's our why. So going back to our text, it then says, For the body does not exist, or does not consist of one member, but of many. And then goes on to give uh, several examples to really illustrate that point. So that brings us to our second point here this morning. The body needs one another. Paul gives these examples of, of a human body and the way it's kind of worded, it kind of makes it sound a little silly, but it makes the point very, very clear to us. He asks the question, what if we were all eyes, were all ears? Obviously, whenever we consider the human body, it's, it's very clear that, you know, a body is, is needed, needs all of its parts. It's, it's clear that the hands, the feet, the eyes, the ears, the elbows, the stomachs, all those are needed. However, when we try to take that very same principle and apply it to a different context, and, and, and that context being the body of Christ, we somehow start to separate that principle and it doesn't, it, for some reason in our heads, it doesn't translate well. You see, 
we're trained in society and in corporate America that all parts are not equal. You have the CEO of a company who is the head of the company. That's a very important person. Someone who is maybe the maintenance person maybe isn't as important as the CEO or as some of the, the high up people. You know, then that kind of is how we get uh, ingrained or that idea gets ingrained in our head uh, based off that. But however, Scripture lays it out differently for us. It says that um, while roles and duties may vary, the importance is the same across the board. The last half of, of Ephesians 4.16 says, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now let's kind of take that verse and try to like play it out practically. Okay, so like think about maybe a nursery worker, for, for example. A nursery worker could say, you know, how important is my job? All I do is try to keep babies from screaming. How does that help the body grow? Well, think about it for a second. If, if babies are, are not screaming in the nursery, parents get to maybe be in here and, and kind of be able to focus in, and I'll be worried about what's going on with my kid upstairs. And if that, if that parent is able to focus in and grow and learn and not have to be able to not be getting up uh, and maybe be distracting others, then, then others around them get the chance to, to grow, to learn. And if the parents don't have to worry about what's going on with their, their kid upstairs because the nursery worker is, is taking care of that kid, then maybe that parent gets a chance to plug in, serve, and edify the body and, and grow the body in another way. You see, we could, we could see this ripple effect playing out from what you could say, well, it's just, a, it's just such a small job, what's it matter? But there's this huge ripple effect that comes from it. And we could walk through with every single uh, role that we have here at Risen Life. And I, and I could walk you through and see, well, because of this, it leads to this and here, and, and how every single role has an impact in the growth of the individual members, as well as the whole body. Every gift, every job, and every person is important to the growing of the body and the loving of the body. So picking back up in, in verse 21 there in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need for you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on, on those parts of the body that, think, that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty with our more presentable parts which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one is honored, all rejoice together. And this brings us to our last point of this, of this text. Dependence on the body promotes unity. Paul continues with this image of, of working with the, the human body. However, this time, he's talking about how the, the eye is saying to the hand doesn't need it, or the head saying um, the, doesn't need the feet. If parts of the body uh, try to work independently of one another, serious issues arise. Without hands, eyes can only see stuff but never grasp it. Without feet, a head can only imagine where it wants to go but never actually get there. See how that can, that can be an issue? Does that make sense? We, we're tracking on that one. 
But not only that, but this highlights the problems you see when the body tries to play this comparison game and tries to compete with one another. You know, like a, a human body that has very different and unique parts, the body of Christ is, is complete with diversity of gifts, of roles. God has specifically and uniquely gifted everyone who is in the body of Christ in order to order or in, in or hold on in order to edify the body in a very specific way some of you guys are gifted to be teachers and I know we've got some just excellent teachers in this church some of you guys are ones who um, you know are, are perfect at encouraging uh, and you've always found ways to say the right thing at the just perfect time. Others of you are always thinking of how can I serve someone and how can I just do the perfect thing to, to lighten their day, to um, encourage them. However, when we focus on wanting what others have to be in a role that someone else is in, we lose sight of what God has intended for the body, and we start putting ourselves at odds with one another. When our focus is on using our gifts to complete the mission, the mission unifies us. So that brings up the next question. What is our mission? Well, going back to this battleship image that we started with, um, We've, we've already discussed how it's important that every person on a battleship knows their role, does their role, in order to accomplish the mission. But we have to know on a battleship what is that mission. So the U.S. Navy has a global mission, a, a mission for the Navy as a whole. That mission is to maintain, train, and equip combat-ready naval forces capable of winning wars, deterring aggression, and maintaining freedom of the sea. So that's the mission of the U.S. Navy as a whole. Now within that, every ship has their own mission that is working in concert with all those other ships around them that strategically is for them based off of their crew based off of where they're geographically at, based off of other strategic um, factors. So likewise, what is the global mission of the church? Not, not risen life, but, but the universal church, the body of Christ. There are several places we could go in Scripture to kind of pull different elements of this, but probably the place that gives us the, the clearest, most concise uh, idea of what this mission is, is Matthew 28. You know, this, this passage is probably one that you guys are very familiar with. Uh, you probably already know where I'm going with that. Um, and you probably already know that because it's, it's the Great Commission. It's something that we preach on often in, in the church. We always talk about it. Um, but just in case you don't know exactly what I'm talking about, I want to give you a little bit of context, context to that. Um, and it's some of this great commission here in Matthew 28 is, is some of Jesus' final words on earth where he's really given a charge to his disciples and ultimately to the church. So starting in verse 18, it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Jesus gives us very few words here, but very action-packed. And the first one, first action we're given, first command we're given here is very straight to the point. It's, it's go. 
brow the gate, go. He, he then follows that with several other commands, but he sets the tone of, we can't, this is not something we can just passively be doing. We have to actively be going out. We, as the church, have to be the ones on the defensive, not, or on the offensive, not the ones who are sitting back saying, I hope somebody one day comes and talks to me about Christ and just really curious, that way I get a chance to share with them. We have to be saying, I'm going to go. We are set out on a mission. So now that we've, we see that he sets us out with a purpose, what are we to do? Jesus says, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them. We are to go into the world looking to share the love of Christ with those we come in contact with. However, it doesn't just end there. If we lead someone to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior, Jesus says to disciple them and teach them to, deserve, to observe all that I have commanded you. So what does Jesus command? What are we supposed to teach? Well, we go back to what he just had said. Go, make disciples, teach, baptize. See how that cycle works? Go, evangelize, disciple, send. Go, evangelize, disciple, send. Too often we get in our heads that discipleship is this thing that's supposed to um, make me better understand Scripture, help me get out of uh, maybe the sin I'm dealing with, and that's kind of the extent of it. We just leave it so focused to just that. And it becomes really me-focused. How can I be better? While it's true that you know, this is definitely part of discipleship, discipleship uh, should be focused on the end goal being evangelism. Go, baptize, disciple, send. If that's the mission of, of the global church, of the universal church, then how are we here at Risen Life setting our course to be in concert with, with the other churches around us, the other battleships, to accomplish this greater mission? Well, we say here that our, our mission here at Risen Life is to train, equip, and encourage the entire family to be practical missionaries of Jesus Christ, both locally and globally. Now, I kind of want to just unpack what was meant by that. I mean, there's a few words I just really want, I feel like we need to really hit on. And the first one there is practical missionary. What does that even mean? You know, I think when in our heads we get in this idea that missions, missions work or missionaries are, are ones that go overseas somewhere, they live there for a while, and vocationally they tell people about Christ. And yes, that's, a, that's an element of it. But when we say practical missionaries, we're simply saying that do that, but wherever God has planted you. If you're here in northeast Tennessee, you're going to work, you're going to school, you're going wherever you go on your day-to-day, -day, that is where God has planted you. That is your mission field. Your mission field is solely or simply where God has planted your feet. And so when we say be practical missionaries, we're saying look for opportunities to tell others about Christ, whether you're at work, your coworkers, whether you're at school, to people sitting next to you in class, your neighbors where you live, the, the cashier at the grocery store, the people that you come in contact day after day after day, that is your mission field. You're not having to wait until someday when you get sent out to another state, another country. Your mission field is right where you are. So what is meant by train, equip, and encourage? Well, we say we want to 
train the saints. So we want to teach you what the Bible says. It's never about uh, my words. It's never about Josh's words or anyone else who's teaching, but solely about the Word of God. As we said last week, the Word of God is the only words that has uh, power to transform lives. It's not about me getting up here and sharing some really insightful thing, because if you're waiting on that, that's never going to happen. I know myself enough. So we want to teach the Word of God, help you understand what it is, help you understand exactly what it is that you believe when you say you're a Christian. Next, we want to equip for ministry. We want to give you the tools, the resources you need to go and share with others what the Bible says. It's one thing to, to know the Bible. It's another thing to be able to articulate it. And so we want to equip you. We want to help you have those conversations, formulate those words um, so you can share that love of Christ with those that you come in contact with. And lastly, we want to encourage the spreading of the gospel. We want evangelism to be the culture of this church, not just something that we hope happens on those off days when the planets align, but we want evangelism to be something that you know, we can do corporately whenever maybe we, we plan a big event, but also we want it to be something whenever you are wherever you're at. You can say, you know what, this person in the line next to me, let me see if I can share Christ with them. Let me see if I can tell them about the love that Christ has for us. You know, that's the heart behind everything we do here, to train, equip, and encourage practical missionaries. So now that we've discussed how the body must work together, the mission must be known, and the body must be working together towards that mission. The last piece of, of this Vision Sunday is simply, the vision must be clear. You guys have been waiting, well, what's the vision? It's Vision Sunday. I have this really cool graphic. There's words on it now, but there was a graphic. Um, it was good. Okay. There it is. Um, so what is the vision? Uh, so I want to spend the rest of our time this morning just explaining, now that we know what the mission of the church is, what are we as Risen Life here to do? How are we going to accomplish that? You know, I, I'm not going to go through and give uh, an all-inclusive list here this morning, but I want to at least highlight some things for you guys. You know, going back to our mission being to train, equip, and encourage. Well, how are we training in this church? It happens in a lot of ways. It happens here this morning, on Sunday mornings, whenever we, we come together corporately, we are learning what Scripture says. It's happening whenever we get together and we have our men's breakfast, our women's breakfast. But a place that we're really diving in deep and studying the Word together is our small groups. Our small groups are a place where we come together as a group um, each week and we work through a passage of Scripture together. We discuss what does it mean, try to help understand it, and then from there, how do we apply it? How do we not just have this head knowledge, but how do we go do something with it? How do we go use this as another tool to, to tell others about Christ? That's why we, we emphasize small groups so, so much in this church is because it, it's a place where we get to one-on-one -on -one or in a group sit down and say, how do I better understand this passage? So if you guys are not in small groups, that's why I encourage you so often, plug into a small group. We have groups that are going through different books of the Bible on different nights of the week. So there's plenty of opportunities. Plug in and find a way. Next place that we're, we're training is, is with our kids, our kids' ministry. 
and we have developed a um, family discipleship plan, our, our FDP is what we call it, um, just because we don't want to say family discipleship plan all the time. Um, so FDP, and what that is, is we've, we've built this um, progressive uh, curriculum for our kids where when they come in at elementary age, the first thing they're learning is just who is God. And that's, that's the focus of those first few years of just who is God. And they start working through uh, the different characteristics of God. God is love. God is just. God is holy. God is, and keeps going on and on. So they, they build this, this foundational understanding of who God is. And then from there, when they move more into upper elementary age, we start answering the question of, well, what's God's plan for us? And that plan is we walk them through the gospel, walk them through creation, and say that God created all of us, and therefore, because he created you, he created me, we are accountable to him. And then we talk about how man... um, fractured that plan and when sin entered the world. And we talk about that need for a Savior to be for that Redeemer. And then we say that Jesus came, died on the cross, and rose again. And that is that atonement for that sin. And then from there, that we are a new creation in Him. So they, they learn who God is, what's His plan for us, and then as, as our students get older, move into middle school, they're really at a place where the world is saying they're trying to define who, who they are. The world's trying to say that you are defined by your sexuality. You're defined by your thoughts, your, um, your um, upbringing, your whatever. All these different factors define who you are. And so we as a church, we want to combat that and say, no, you are defined by God. You're not defined by what the world says you are. You are defined by who your creator says you are. You are loved. You are, if you are in God, you are a child of God. You've been adopted. You've been redeemed. You have all these different things. And we help them try to build their identity in that. And then as our high school students, They've had the opportunity to know who God is, what's his plan for us, who are we in God, and the last thing is, what is our purpose? And so we spend those high school years trying to, say, prepare them for just going and sharing the God with, with whoever they come in contact with, being those disciple makers. And that's the focus of, of high school is getting them ready to just go out into the world, be on their own and say, I'm still going to live for God. So we're training in those areas. How do we equip? How do we equip? I don't know, English. Um, anyways, um, well, we've been talking for several weeks now about this apologetics night. And that's why we encourage you guys so much to try to make the opportunity to be here on, that, on those Wednesday nights because it's, it's an opportunity to not just know and to be trained on, on what Scripture says, but now what I do with it. How do I go share it with those around me? And we'll kind of like, we'll dig into all these different uh, nuances of, well, how do I share it with um, someone who's a Mormon? How do I answer maybe this tough question or that tough question or how do I just share the gospel in general? You know, we want to equip you guys. We want to prepare you guys for being able to go and share scripture, share the love of God with others. And then this be a place where we can celebrate what God's doing through that. Lastly, how do we encourage Encourage the spray in the gospel. Again, these are not all-inclusive lists. These are just some things that we're highlighting here, but we've been talking about the back porch. We've been talking about 
um, the need back there that um, we have kids who are, are in the foster care system who are waiting on, on somewhere, a uh, placement, a family to, to live with, and they're just currently living with DCS. They're living at the DCS office. That's home. Uh, the back porch gives them an opportunity to uh, be somewhere that looks normal, looks like somewhere that you would want to maybe call home or at least resemble home, gives them a chance to eat a, a hot meal, uh, wash some clothes, uh, take a shower. And it's also an opportunity for us to interact with those kids, to have a place whenever they are feeling um, maybe secondhand, a place whenever they feel like, you know, they're just not loved for whatever they might be feeling going through, we get a chance to come in and say, but you are loved by God. You are loved by a heavenly Father. And so that's just one area where we get a chance to, to spread the gospel. Additionally, and I, I don't want to steal too much of the thunder here, but we're, Drew and Carrie are, are really working on um, building up our relationships with global missions and, and kind of looking down the road on how we can be you know, sending people different places from here at Risen Life how we can be reaching our neighbors more with the gospel. You know, we talk all the time about how there's a neighborhood just right back here behind the church, and in order to get in and out of it, you have to go right past our building. And then we should be taking ownership of this neighborhood. We should be saying that that is our mission field. We are going to make sure that every man, woman, and child knows the gospel back there. And like I said, these are just a few areas that we wanted to touch on to just hopefully give you opportunity to say, I want to be part of that. I want to plug in to that. But as we close here this morning, I want to take you back to a question that we started out with. Are you a cruise ship or are you a battleship? I'm going to have the band come up and I want you guys to sit on that for a second. You know, whenever I come to church, is my focus on what can I get out of this? What does this church have for me? Or is our focus, how can I plug in? How can I use what God has given me to connect with a body of believers, to serve them, to help them grow, to ultimately get the gospel out to the nations. Are you a cruise ship or are you a battleship? Let's bow our heads. You might be sitting here this morning and say, you know, sounds great, but I don't think I'm even on the same mission You know, my mission that I've been living for here is one that is for me. My mission is for me to get mine, to do whatever serves me in this life. And we just came out of this study through Ecclesiastes where Solomon time and time and time again says that everything you're chasing in this life, everything that you're looking for for you is vanity. It might satisfy for a little bit, but just like that, it's gone. And so that mission that you're on is something that just leaves you chasing, wanting more Maybe you even realize for yourself now that that job, that even that spouse, kids that you've been chasing after, 
does not satisfy. It's nice, it's good, but it doesn't satisfy. Because the only one who can satisfy that need is Christ. So this morning, ask you are you done are you done trying to chase after this this idea that I'm going to just satisfy myself I'm going to do whatever it takes to fulfill me are you done with that are you ready to say that you have this need for a savior. If you're at that place this morning, you're saying, you know, I've tried to fill that with anything I can, but it gets me nothing. Then this morning, quit running. Quit trying to chase something that will never fulfill. This morning, don't leave here without surrendering your life to Christ. What does that even mean? What does it mean surrender my life to Christ? simply means that we acknowledge that our sin has, has created this divide. But Christ has died on the cross for you. He's died on the cross for me. So that we may be united with him. The scripture says to confess our sins, to believe that he he died on the cross and accept him as Lord of our life. If that's you this morning, if, if you're saying that's what I need in my life, that's what I want to do. I want to surrender my life to Christ. I'm tired of living for myself. Then with that heart of surrenderance, just say that to God. Just pray that. There's no magical words that can be said. There's nothing special about anything you can say necessarily, but rather it's the heart. The heart of surrenderance and saying that, God, I need you. If you're looking for just, how do I even say that? What words do I say? I don't know how to put that into, into a sentence. And just, it's, so, it's something like this. Just, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for living my life for me to glorify myself. Lord, I'm sorry for sinning against you. Lord, I lay down my life and 
before you, Lord. I want you to be Lord over my life. If that's you this morning, if you prayed something like that, I want to know how I can be encouraging you, how I can be praying for you, how we can be connecting you with the body of Christ and be unified as, as a body of believers. So this morning, I simply just ask, if that was you this morning, if, you, if that's, it was your prayer, just slip up your hand. It takes me a second to look around the room. I just want to know how I can be praying with you, encouraging you. Well, I pray that that means that all of us are already part of that body of Christ. But the question remains the same. Are you a cruise ship or are you a battleship? Do you look at church to satisfy you, or the people at church to, to always be serving you and looking for what you can get out of church? Or are you ready to say, I'm going to roll up my sleeves, I'm going to go to work? Because there is a mission at hand, and that mission is right outside these doors. I'm going to leave you guys with that. The band's going to play a song. But are you ready to go to work? I'll be up here if you guys want to pray. Josh is in the back. If you just want to be praying where you're at.